This is Weekend Calling with Claire Care on NLive Radio in association with the Retro Charts. I'm delighted to be having a chat today with pop star, smash hit writer and producer, Mr. Barry Blue. Barry, welcome to my show. Hello, Claire. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you doing yourself? I'm I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. Wonderful. Now I know we're going to talk about what you're up to now, but Mm -hmm. I'd like to start, if I may, going right back to when you were a child and you first found your love for music, didn't you buy your first guitar with your paper round money? I did. I um I was about about seven and um I remember my my sister was going out with a uh, a guy who was a songwriter and he was working at a club called the Two Eyes, which was um, a place in Soho. And um, he used to come over and he used to play these songs and write these songs. And I thought it was a really good thing to do. So he said one day, well, why don't you pick up a guitar? I've got one here and, and we'll try and write a song together. Sounds like a plan. Sounds like a plan. And it wasn't any good, but the idea struck in my head and uh, I've been writing ever since, I suppose, really. Yeah, indeed. Didn't you do um, later on as a teenager a talent show, kind of the equivalent of probably Pop Idol nowadays, that kind of thing? Oh, yeah. When I was at school, we, um, we had a school band called The Dark Knights. The reason they were called the Dark Knights is because the drummer's name was surname was Knight, and uh, the, the um, his dad had the post office van, so we had to call ourselves the, the Dark Knights. Otherwise, he wouldn't take us around for gigging in um, you know to all these little places we used <laughs> to play. But anyway, we we had a school band, and we entered a talent competition. Um, it was on, I think it was on Granada TV. It was up in Manchester. And it was called Stubby K Silver Star Show. Okay. Which, um, I don't know if you remember Stubby K. He was this very no. American actor that would play a lot of parts. Uh, he was in one called Guys and Dolls. He was in the film Guys. And I like Dolls. his name. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> we were on his show, and we kept. Um, it was a junior talent show. It was a junior talent show, and we kept winning it and winning it, and. Um, in the end, we won the coveted Silver Star. Yay! <laughs> yeah. The only problem is this, that that show was on TV and the school's programs started a, about 10 minutes afterwards. And my headmaster was um, was involved in the school's program and he saw me on TV. So um, we had a big, big problem. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were supposed to be in school. You're one of our pupils, aren't you? And I said, well... Sorry, but you know I've been you know I've been up north and um, doing uh, this TV show. Music no this comes well. first over education. Oh. It's obviously paid off for you, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose it has in a way. <laughs> and um, did you write a song and patiently wait outside of a um, stage door for Mr. Gene Pitney? You penned a song that you really, really wanted him to listen to and him to sing. Do you know what? I, uh, there's a word for it called chutzpah, which means you've got the courage of your convictions when really you shouldn't have at such a tender age. But I was about 15 and I, I really thought this was about my fourth song in. And I thought, this song is great for Gene. Gene Pitney was a very big artist in the 60s, um, a major, major artist. 
I thought this would be great for Jim Pitney, and um, everyone looked at me as if I was mad. But anyway, I, uh, I knew he was playing at the London Palladium. So um, I went down to the London Palladium, and I knocked on the stage manager's door, and he said, well, what do you want? And uh, I said, I've got a song for Gene Pitney. He said, well, who are you? <laughs> I'm a songwriter, and this is my song. Will you give it to him, please? And he wouldn't let me in, but he let me uh, give him the package with the song in it. Well, I cut, I cut a long story short. About five years later, and a record came out with my song on it, with Gene Pitney's name. He put the song out, but over the five years, I, I, I hadn't heard from him because I didn't put my address on the envelope or my oh, schoolboy error schoolboy error <laughs> eventually i got he tracked me down and uh, instead of being unknown it was barry green because that was my real name oh yeah you've changed the color of your surname over the years as well why was that because <laughs> i'm stupid no the reason <laughs> being is um because green um i had three records out under the name of barry green they were released in the late 60s early 70s and they were spectacularly unsuccessful. Uh-huh. So um, on the day when Decca, it was with Decca Records, they said to me, you know, Barry, this isn't really working. These records are not, you know, they're not happening. Um, I said, well, what do, you, what do you think the problem is? And the, the A&R man, who is the guy who looks after you, he said, well, it could be because green is such an unlucky colour in the music business. And I said, I've never heard of that. He said, oh, yeah, it's well known. In the theatrical business, you never, have, you never wear the green to go on stage and you never do this with green. And I thought, oh, well, maybe he's got a point. So I changed it to Barry Blue. I much prefer Barry Blue. Has a certain zing to it, doesn't it? Of course it? it does. Yeah, it's like Claire Care, Barry Blue. And Claire blue is my favourite no. colour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I've been Barry Blue ever since. Brilliant. Well, that's certainly been very, very successful for you, hasn't it? Because what did you go on to do later? Well, I I suppose the next thing was that I met up with a fellow songwriter called Lindsay DePaul, who um, she was a a Hornsey art student and um, but she was a secret songwriter. And for some reason, we we connected via a label called ATV Kirshner. Don Kirshner was uh, an American guy. He was in the he was in the music business, and his idea was to have a kind of Tamil Motown writing system, whereby you used to go into an office at nine thirty, used to write all day till five thirty, and used to have to come out with a song at the end of each day. That's extremely so, disciplined, isn't it? Very disciplined, but it, it was very well it was very well documented back in the late sixties. There was another um, a company called the Brill Building where you had Goffin and King and you had Neil Sedaka and you had Lieber and Stoller. And these were very famous writers and they all wrote in the same way. They all had their own separate little cubicles. They all used to go in, write a song and then present it at the end of a week to right. a panel. And that's what we, we had to do. In, in, we were the first two writers in England or in, in the UK to, to utilise this system of writing songs. I quite like the idea of that. So I imagine this cubicle to be quite small. What was it like? How was it decked out for you? To, you know? it, was, it was really small. We, had, we, were, we were given a little um, re, Revox, which is a little reel-to-reel recorder. Um, I had my five-string guitar, kept breaking the top E string, so it was always a five-string guitar. Lindsay would bang away on a really old piano. I don't know where. It was so out of tune. Um, 
but we we used to make it work. Um, and I remember in those days of writing songs where that less was more, because mm -hmm. I used to write with another guy called Roger Greenaway, who was another famous writer. He wrote many, many hits. And he used to write with me on a banjo. And if we always said, if it works on a banjo and it sounds good on a banjo, can you imagine what it's going to sound like <laughs> if you put a band on it? And, and, and that's true. So we didn't have any of the toys that you got now, you know, computer mm -hmm. systems and things. Uh, and so that, that writing kind of then launched you into your pop career, didn't it? As a pop yeah, star. Yeah. Well, the weird thing is both songs that we came up with, we came up with two big songs in about a three-week period. All the rest were thrown away. The two songs that people said, well, they're okay, but uh, let's see if we can get any artists on them. One was called Sugar Me, which Lindsay um, went on to have a big hit with. And the other one was Dancing on a Saturday Night, which is I had a big hit with. And these two songs were rejects from everywhere else. No one else wanted to cut them. Um, originally, Peter Noon was going to cut Sugar Me, Peter Manu, Peter and uh, Herman's Hermits, and they never did it. So... Um, we kind of did these demos. We thought, well, what should we do now? So, well, Lindsay said, well, why don't we put them out ourselves? So she did. She found a manager. She put her record out herself, and it was very successful. And I thought, well, this, this works. I'll put my one out myself. And it was it successful. Was so, you know, we were kind of um, pushed onto the pushed onto sort of the stage with the uh, you know, I really wanted to be a writer. I didn't, I wasn't really, you know, meant to be a singer, but it, it worked. You know, so out of it. your cubicle and onto top of the pops. Yeah, with all me, with all me glam rock gear. And what did that feel like? It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. I met some great people. I met some great artists. I met Bowie. I met Queen. I met, you know, Mark Boland. We, we were very... Very tightly, it's a very tight clique of, of, of artists in those days that used to do Top of the Pops. And, uh, and we had a lot of fun. It was great rivalry, but there was great fun in it as well. Mm. So I enjoyed those days. And, um, you know, I look back on them with fond memories. It sometimes is a bit of a monkey on your back because people think, well, that's all you've ever done. Because, you know, I've got more of a But of course, you've done uh, so much yeah. more and you went into this yeah. production side of things. And we've got to talk about Heatwave, haven't we? And yeah. more specifically, Boogie Nights. Now, you know, that is an absolute classic. It's never, ever going to go out of fashion. It's got so much appeal. It's a brilliant, brilliant song. And you produced it, my word, you know, even tell me about the intro because I know that you're responsible for that kind of dreamy funky harp intro too well it's it's the the reason I work with heatwave is um it's really odd because I came out of glam rock I was a pop singer and heatwave were an R&B funk art act you know they were really a really cool really cool act and for some reason Rod Temperton, who wrote all those songs, he also wrote Thriller and Rock With You and many other songs for Michael Jackson. He approached me and he said, um, I heard some of your records through the record company that, you know, we're with, and I really like what you're doing. And you produced your own records, didn't you? I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, come down and see this new band I'm working with. They're, um, they're uh, really cool. They're all from Germany, except me. I'm from Grimsby. This is Rod Temperton, the number one songwriter. Um, I said, cool. So I went to see Heatwave and fell in love with them. They were a brilliant band. And um, in cut long story short, we went into the studio. 
Uh, Rod played me the beginning of Boogie Nights. It was nothing like how it came out. And I said to him, why don't we do something really original? Because I've always thought that to make a record stand out, it's got to have something that catches your ear within 30 seconds. Agreed. Uh, and, and, and that's what I did on, on my one, uh, on Dancing on a Saturday Night. We had a bazooki on it, which was a Greek instrument. And on Lindsay's Sugar Me, I put on a, um, a gypsy violin, which hadn't been done before. So on this one, I said to him, well, why don't we start off like a jazz funk record, you know, like in 6-8 in, in time, and we'll put harp on it. And this was just a weird, and everyone said, no, this group is a dance band. You know, this is, this is disco, this is club, this is funk. You can't put on a harp and make it all jazzy. And in the end, uh, we, I insisted, I suppose, and, and Rod went along with me, um, and it came out. It didn't come out the first single because everyone was scared of this intro. It came out the third single off the album, and it became an absolute, as you say, a monster hit all over Brilliant. the world brilliant song yeah and it's all dreamy and then it just punches in then doesn't it it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I still think it's one of uh, you know one of one of those classic records which you can't capture it's just one of those things that just happen and it's, you don't know why it's so big but you know, it's brilliant it's amazing i mean huge congratulations to you on that Thank fantastic you. work
stuff I mean I don't even know where to begin with all of the stuff you've done but I know that we should probably talk about what you're up to now and nowadays well this is a strange story I suppose because for the last 20 years I've been listening to all the stuff I've produced and written um, for other people songs I've written for other people and there's always been a kind of a dozen songs which I thought hmm I wish I'd have done that a different way or I wish I hadn't given that to another artist or I wish it had come out a different way than it actually came out. So I, I, I thought, well, what I'll do is, um, if you want to use a bird analogy, I'll, I thought, well, this is my swan song or this is putting all my ducks in a row. Uh-huh. What I want to do is I want to take those songs and I want to go back to the way I originally wrote them. Uh, and how did I originally write them? Well, we wrote them on a basic guitar and a piano and nothing else. There was no other instrumentation on them. And we'll see what happens. And that's what I did for the last, for the last three and a half years. I've been doing this album called Songs from the Heart Book. And it's the songs that really have touched me, you know, and that's why it's called Songs from the Heart Book. It's songs that mean a lot to me, songs that I think have got a bit lost along the way, um, songs that haven't kind of, captured the, the the magic that I thought they would have first time round, even though some of them were hits. Um, and I've taken them and I've made them into this album, which has um, been a, a labour of love, really. Aww. Well, the yeah. EP is beautiful. The songs, we, we must talk about the songs on the EP, which is out now, isn't it? Yeah, we've got... Which um, is the preview to, to the, yeah. the album. Yeah, it's, uh, one side is a song called Crime To Be Cool, which is um, a play on words. Um, I'll, I'll explain in a minute. Okay. And the other song is Escaping. And Escaping was done it. by, uh, recorded by Dina Carroll. Dina Carroll. Yeah, and it was a song that, that actually had been a hit in about six or seven different countries by, by different artists. So it's actually been a song that's been around for a while. And um, I always thought it needed to be much simpler because it's quite a complicated song. There's lots of chords in it and uh, it's got lots of changes and quite an interesting lyrical idea. So um, I took it back to the roots. You know, I got rid of all the overblown productions that had been done on it. It is. It's very uh, different, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, you know, some people might say, well, I prefer that version or this version. But it was something I needed to do. Yeah, I love that acoustic arrangement. It's, um, Thank you. Yeah, it, it's really beautiful. And you can really notice the lyrics, actually. Well, that's it. You know, um, I've gone back to singing. Uh, thank goodness my voice hasn't gone, I don't think. I think it's kind of improved in a way because it's like an old scotch. It's you sound great. Matured. It's matured. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I can now perform those songs the way I want to perform them. Get at heart playing games in the shadows Fall asleep, make a wish in the bad goes I can dream, can I? When I close my eyes Kiss the 
There's a secret place where no one can hurt you Desert you No one hurts you That's why I'm escaping When I try to forget you Love brings me out of my shell I keep my heart on the shelf Hiding inside myself What am I doing? No use in making fool For the taking There's no more escaping you It's taken three and a half years, and I've put it together with another album called Songs from the Lost Book, which yeah. songs that I haven't had out yet, yeah. but never got released from the 80s and the 90s. Um, and we'll see what happens. It's very, very exciting. So we've got the EP Boy in the Moon, which is, yes. that's the title track, Boy in the Moon, which is written when your son was born. Yes, that, that song is a very special song to me. Um, it was written because we had, my wife and I had problems having, having children, which I know a number of people do. And uh, when he was born, it was like a you know, shining light in our lives. And I always thought that uh, shining light, now what does that mean? Well, you look up at the moon and the moon looks back at you and shines into your room and, and you know, makes everything seem right again. Perfect. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's probably the best 
well, my favourite lyric I've ever written on a song. It's a beautiful and, uh, song. Yeah, I really, I really yeah. like that. It's song. Like the guardian I, angel, isn't it? Yes, that that's kind right. of thing. It, it it kind of encumbers you. It, yeah. it covers you, and uh, it's got a nice feel to it. Mm. And um, yeah, I'm. You know, I, I I don't think when I when I put out this record, I don't think about charts, and I'm not interested in whether people, um, you know, see it a different way from me. I just wanted to state my case on it. You know. Um, Absolutely. And, and and hope people like it. That's all I can do. Yeah. And then there's Lost for Words, which you wrote and performed at your daughter's wedding. I did. I did. What an amazing and thing to do. It, well, the title says it all, really, because um, I, I actually took a sneak. When she had her wedding dress fitting, I took, I took a, a, a sneaky look. Um, oh, to... naughty. I know. <laughs> but then, then when when she got married and she came down the stairs and I'd written, it was written as a poem, effectively, really. It started off as a poem, but the lyrics just poured out. Uh, they just poured out of me. And uh, I knew I had to do it as a song and I had to sing it at her wedding, which I did. And uh, it's quite an emotional thing to do. It's quite an emotional song. I'm, and there know, wasn't a dry eye in the house. There was not a dry eye in the house, including mine. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's that. That's on the EP and that's on the album as well. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, so they are. You can well, I can sort of see, understand how these are so personal songs. These are kind of your life story, the things that you haven't then had the chance before that's to right. make your own, which you wrote. You know, so why shouldn't yes, you share yes. them and make them your own? Well, I'm sharing them, and um, I'm hoping people, you know listen to them again with different ears mm. and uh, and and see what happens next yeah yeah it's and, very and then exciting hopefully when when all this time is finished with this uh, this covid maybe i'll go out on the road and we're going to do some q and a's with the little band so people can ask me questions on the songs uh, i can tell them songs i've written because a lot of people don't know that i've done sort of a, i've got another backstory you know i'm yeah. just a singer um, yes you've done so much most most people think I just did dancing on a Saturday night, and yeah. then what happened to him? He's you know yeah. he's done something completely different. But I've always been writing songs, yeah. you know, I always yeah. will. Huge career, just so many things that you've done. It so this chapter and verse, and this fifty years on, it also comes with an edited autobiography too, for us to read. Oh, it's um, this this book. It's called um, Barry Who. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is a kind of a play on words. See, and if you'd have kept green, you couldn't have used that, could you? No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it kind of sums up what I've just been saying. Yeah. It, it's like, well, what else have you done? And, and this book kind of lays it all out, all the stories, all the vignettes, all the kind of sort of ups and, up and downs and highs and lows I've had in my career as, as, a, as an artist, as a songwriter, as a, as a, as a producer. Have you and, got um, a Sorry? Have you got a mini teaser for us from the book? Oh, well, there's stories about how I turned down Wham, um, how George Michael lived 200 yards from where I lived. and wow. uh, And he, his dad was, um, his dad was a restaurateur. We used to go into his local restaurant in uh, near where I live. And he used to sit, he used to play me that George's tape thing. 
and very broad Greek accent. Yeah, Georgie is a wonderful, he's a wonderful singer. You must listen to him. So <laughs> he used to drive me mad, Jack. I said, okay, we'll send George over and let me listen. Um, and this was the time when I was, I was writing and producing for so many acts, for Banana Rama, for Dina Carroll, for this one, for that one. And in the end, I said to George, I said, you've got a great voice. I love the songs. I love what you're doing with Andrew. Um, I'll get back to you. I've just got to finish this project. Well, by the time I got back to Wham and the project, they were already number four. Oh. The so, you know, there oh, we well. are. Never mind. You did loads of other great stuff. Doesn't matter about that. <laughs> no, no, no. Doesn't matter about that or the Jacksons or a few other acts that I've passed. <laughs> you know, you do that. You do. Yeah. You do. You, you, you kind of, um, you think, oh, I'm going to do this project because I really, really want to do this one. And then you pass something which is huge. Um, you pass it by. But that's what happens, you know. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. So this, um, we can get hold of your album. It's on pre-order now, isn't it? The album. It's on pre-order. Yep. If, you go to, so we, yep. if you go to my website. Yeah, areyblue.co.uk. Um, well done, yeah, because um, I forgot it. <laughs> um, if, we go, if we go there, you can pre-order the album and it comes with the three, D, three set CDs. So it's Songs from the Heart Book, Songs from the Lost Book, um, and a podcast I've done of, of, of you know, an hour and a half of my life, and, um, and the book, Barry Who. So, Brilliant. Um, yeah. And when's awesome. it out? September the 18th. Not long to wait now, is there? Not long no, to wait, but we can get the EP now. It's available yeah, right now yeah, on Apple Music yeah. and various yeah, it's platforms. A, it's on, it will come out, I think it's out at the end of this month. It's Crime to be Cool on one side, yeah. taping on the other, and uh, it's a kind of teaser for the, for the album. And uh, I hope people enjoy it. Oh, I'm sure they will. Absolutely. Look, you've had a fantastic life and career. And wow, I wish you every success with your EP and indeed the LP and everything when it all comes out. Absolutely brilliant. Much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Barry. Thank you so Thanks, much. Claire. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>